we're back. Another episode of the Philly iPod broadcasting from the Last Out Media Studio. It's good to be back. Got uh, Vince Quinn here with me today. We were talking before the show. I don't remember the last time I was in here. And like, I know I chart every show I did and I just didn't look back, but it feels like it's been months. And maybe that's just because of the amount of things that have been happening in the sports world. Whether it be COVID and, you know, cancellations and roster moves and, you know, there are college games that aren't happening and now NBA, you could turn on a game and there's literally like eight, 10 day contract guys just getting a workout in, it seems like. Or it's, you know, the Ben Simmons saga that hasn't been resolved. Or Eagles and Hurts arguments and, you know, is do we build with Hurts or not? And the Flyers have been off for what it seems like almost two weeks now. Sixers were up and down. And baseball still in a lockout. And they're being saved by COVID right now because no one's talking about baseball. And they're absolutely being saved right now. But before we continue, I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. And and I've had a lot of time in between shows. And I wanted to do this a couple weeks ago, but I couldn't get in just due to being so busy. But I feel like today is actually the perfect time to do it. Does we come up toward the end of the calendar year in three days? I feel like it's best to just sit back and reflect on what happened in Philly sports this year. Just take a positive, let's have a positive ending. Because, I mean, it wasn't all positive. But we could sit here and complain about Hurts or complain about the Eagles or complain about Ben or com- just complain. So I just typed out a few things from every Philly team. And I'm going to go against conventional podcast talk and we're saving the eagles for last because vince i'm gonna need you to help me with jalen hurts okay i'm i i I really need you to help me because i get a lot of criticism for my opinion on hurts and i I just want to hear another person's opinion all right looking forward to that the question is where do we start (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna start with the flyers because to be completely honest, they've annoyed me the most. And it all stems back to the bubble. That year, the Flyers seemingly turned the corner and started playing new hockey. Up pace, heavy forecheck, aggressive defense. Just pushing the puck down your throat, scoring opportunity, scoring opportunity, scoring opportunity. Trying to get as many goals as they can. And not letting you breathe on offense. And then the year after the bubble, you know, we missed the playoffs. Carter Hart started to look shook. And then, you know, we made some Defensive moves that I guess caused that to happen. We lost a defenseman to retirement. 
you know. But I always said the Flyers needed a superstar. You need a superstar in any sport to compete. Then I thought, you know, Chuck Fletcher proved me wrong. Flyers started off red hot. You know, they were looking good. Carter Hart looked to be back. You know, offense was looking good. Cam Atkinson was scoring. And then somewhere, they reverted back to the old Flyers. Lost nine in a row. Sloppy hockey. Hart looked lost again. They went back to the Broad Street bully days where they just wanted to fight and grind and be passive on the ice. Led to their coach getting fired, which I was watching that team lose nine in a row, and I was like, is it really the coach? This is one of those, we got to do something just to do something, so let's fire the coach. And I was like, "Eh, it's not the coach's fault. Then after they fired the coach, the very next game they go out and lose. And their quote-unquote star player in Claude Giroux comes out and says the team lacks an identity. Well, when your non-superstar superstar says you lack an identity, you have an issue. And it wasn't the coach. Because two years ago with the coach, they had an identity. And they played to that identity. And they were really good and almost won a Stanley Cup. I don't think it's the coach. I think and this is a Philadelphia issue, not just a Flyers issue. We hold on to certain players too long. We hold on to the core, thinking the tor- core is going to get younger for one more year and turn it around. And I know we'll get to the Eagles in a second, but I think how he realized he did that. After Super Bowl, he tried to bring everybody back, and he's like, oh, we can't do that. And now we got younger, and now look at the Eagles. Like, you're going to go through growing pains with young players, but young players make the aggressive mistake. Like, you're seeing Hurts, you know, take a couple gambles. You're seeing Quez Watkins, you know, have that extra fight because he wants to make a name for himself. When you have veterans, they're like, I already made a name. I already made my money. I'm just going to do what I'm told, and we win, we win, we lose, we lose. So, like, I look at the Flyers, and they're, like, in a holding pattern. Like, it's almost like, the pre-processed Sixers like they're just they're not terrible enough where they're the worst team in hockey but they're never going to win anything they'll make the playoffs they're just they're just there and you can't really tank in hockey so like where do the Flyers go so like when I look back through all of 2021 started off really well you know they're capitalizing from the bubble you know, they started off this calendar year. I don't want to talk about like this season. The calendar year really, really well back in January, February. And then when the playoffs started approaching, it just like slipped out of their grasp. And they seemingly never recovered from it. So going into 2021, Vince, or <laughs> going into 2022, because I do not want to repeat this year. Going into 2022. Do the Flyers find themselves, or in a year from now, are we talking about a complete rebuild? If you had to pick one of the two. Rebuild. Rebuild. It's just the Flyers, for whatever reason, they find these little moments of magic. Like when they had that run with Yamir Yager and how everything clicked, that was amazing, right? But 
those kinds of stints are so few and far between with this team. And for all the investments in this young core and all these people, Provorov and Konechny and like this whole new era, Carter Hart and where it's all been. I mean, what are the odds that those guys all click in the next year? I just, I got doubts, man. I got major doubts. So do I. And it sucks because there's nothing better than playoff hockey. Like playoff hockey and, well, first of all, playoffs in general. But I really think playoff hockey is the best playoff in sports. Like, because every possession is literally like life and death. And don't get me started. Game seven, tied game in the third period. Literally gets nothing better than that. But just overall, playoff hockey, and we've missed it. It's only been a year, but I feel like, I feel like we haven't had it since 2010. Yeah. Like, I know we had that run two years ago in the bubble, but I feel like we haven't had it since 2010. And that's the thing. It's like having something to believe in and go like, oh, this is a run and this is the future and everything's building and like, wow, look right. at this. It's, you know, if we're not, if we don't win it this year, maybe a year from now we can right. win. It's just a tweak or so. Like, no, that feeling is so electric, man. Like every possession down the ice, you're so locked in every shot. Jim Jackson, hey, pass of the puck. And you know what I mean? It's right. just like all that energy is, it's the best. It's such a great feeling. And to, to have it feel like it's 20 years from now is the next time we're going to get that moment it just sucks it really does and i don't want to blame ownership i don't want to blame management because flusher went out and made the moves he realized what needed to be done i don't want to say it didn't work because i feel like the players he brought in have produced i just think some of these young players haven't developed like we wanted them to and it's funny, we were talking about developing young players. We were talking about quarterbacks before the show. But just sports in general, like, I never understood in hockey. Like, you draft a young guy, and you send him to the AHL. Like, what is the AHL? Like, you, it'd be like drafting... I almost said Ben Simmons, but I knew someone would take that <laughs> negative. It, it'd be like, uh, I don't even know who the number one pick was this past year. Who was the number one pick this past year in the NBA? Oh, uh, Cade Cunningham. Right. All right. It'd be like taking Cade Cunningham and be like, you know what? I'm going to need you to play in the G League for four years, get used to playing against semi, potentially, probably not quality Division Four level basketball players, and then you can come to the NBA. No. You draft a young kid, and I'm sorry, but I'm throwing you into the wolves, and you're going to sink or swim. But hockey is like, no, you got to learn the speed of the game. You got to learn the angles. If you've been playing hockey for 18 years of your life, you shouldn't need four more years to learn the angles. Like, if you're the number one pick in hockey, I'd be nice, top, like a top five pick in hockey. You should be on the ice in game one. Like, the developmental time now is ridiculous. These kids have trainers, and they have AAU. They're playing these sports year-round. They don't need more development time. Like, this is not 1980 when, you know, they're playing seven sports, and only three months out of the year they're playing one sport. So if they play basketball, they needed more. No. Draft a young player and play him. Like, just play him. Like, I'm so glad the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz. And I know we had Bradford and all that, and things happened, but... Even if the Vikings didn't need a quarterback, I'm pretty sure Howie was going to trade Sam and they were going to give the reins to Carson Wentz. Like, they just play their young players. 
they're not sitting Devonta Smith and being like, oh, you know, you got to learn from Ortega Whiteside and Quez Watkins how to play <laughs> NFL. Like, no. Like, some players just have talent, and you just put them out there and let them develop. Like, please, just let them develop. Could you imagine if we didn't let Joel Embiid develop? We're just like, you know what? You need to go to the G League. You, you need to No. Certain players have just special talent. We have, and I'm talking Philadelphia specifically, we have to just let them play. And perfect segment into the Phillies because they have a lot of young players. And they're in the, we want to win, but we don't want all young players. If Middleton wants to be, doesn't want to go over the luxury tax, fine. Okay, it's your money. Fine then we can't just buy, buy, buy all the time and buy low-level eh players. I'd rather watch Harper, Castellanos, and then let Hazley or Moniak just learn the game in center field. You can't have $30 million at every position. Like Alec Bohm struggled last year. All right, fine. Sending him down to work on his defense when he was never a defensive player like hurts his development. Keep him in the bigs and let him hit. Just let him hit. This team was so... What's the word I'm looking for? Not lacking. I don't say they were lacking. They were hurt for like a young, a young presence. It was a lot of older players. The team needed a spark. And they sent Alec Bohm down. Did Alec Bohm have a great year? No. But I watched other organizations with other players. Acuna, Albies. Um, who are the other great young players in the game? Um, Soto. Soto. Like, they bring them up and let them play. Like, the best teacher is experience. Just let these kids play sports. Alec Bohm. Look, you're going to play 150 games this year. I'm get, you're going to learn how to work out your kinks. You're going to have hot stretches. You're going to have cold stretches. It's baseball. You know, you got Harper here. You can talk to Harper. or help you out. But to be like, oh, we got to send you down. You know, your arm strength is like, come on, stop it. Like, Gene Segura, that much better of a replacement at third base. Okay. Who's playing second base now? Like, just put your best line about there every day and see what happens. Now to the positive Phillies talk. This will be short. <laughs> <laughs> so short because they started 4-0. And then it went downhill from there. Yeah, so the Phillies started 4-0. And it was right when we did our first show together. And we were... Ecstatic. I went back and listened to it. We were like, we can beat the Braves on any given night. Like, this lineup is going to be great. Like, I'm not worried about the lineup. Nola and Wheeler are going to be top two in rotation. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what? Like, what happened? Like, what happened? Nola and Wheeler looked so good that first start. The offense was rolling. Harper took off. And then it just was like a roller coaster from that point. They'd win five, lose three, you know, win four, lose five. It was up and down. Harper got drilled in the face early on, and you were like, oh, no, it was not the end of the season, but is this how the season's going to go? 
Nola never really regained his Cy Young form. And we thought we improved the bullpen from two years ago, which was an historically bad bullpen. And I guess statistically it was better, but it still wasn't, you know, what we needed. They made a couple minor moves at the deadline. Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, Hans Kraus um, said goodbye to Spencer Howard, who didn't do anything. Um, but the all-star break for me is going back, looking at the Phillies, is where the season like took shape. But before we continue, I didn't realize Harper was not an all-star. And I guess it's because he got drilled in the face and he missed all the time. And right after he got hot, he kind of got cold, coinciding with getting hit in the face. So his numbers weren't really there. But he just has an unbelievable second half of the season. Obviously, wins the MVP. We fall short of the postseason getting swept by Atlanta, which, I mean, they ended up winning the World Series. So I guess you can find a little bit of a silver lining in that, even though they were without their top pitcher and their top position player, which is a little scary. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, Wheeler came in second to Cy Young, which is a disgrace. Lost to a pitcher who only pitches five innings a game, which is it's just never happened. Like, it shouldn't happen. Like if you're gonna do half the cre- half the work and get full credit, like going back to school. Like you ever had a kid who did like half the amount of work and got a better grade than you did? You're just like, are you kidding me? Like I hate this kid. And then like Phillies baseball like kind of just like stopped. Like after they got swept by the Braves, <laughs> like from that moment to where we are. Like, nothing's happened. Nothing. And I'm not trying to be, like, literally, nothing has happened on the Phillies front. We signed who? Um, Corey Kniebel. That's it. We signed a closer for one year. That's it. That's all we've done. Baseball spent, like, $2 billion in a week, and the Phillies did nothing. Partially because there's been a labor stoppage. Now, why 2021 for the Phillies was more up and down, I do think as we end the year, the arrow's pointing up. Harper, it's scary. Harper is probably in his prime. A little scary. That he's won two MVPs prior to his prime. Wheeler seemingly has figured out how to be a great pitcher. If you look at their rotation, it's actually pretty good. Wheeler, Nola, Eflin when he comes back. Um, Kyle Gibson is a pretty good four. And then Ranger Suarez. Like Ranger Suarez, I thought, was the brightest spot of the entire Philly season. Went from the bullpen to a solid seven-inning starter. You know, from August to September, kind of takes one thing off the wish list for the offseason. You don't need to address starting pitching. If you get one, it's like just adding to what you already have. Might need another bullpen arm, but I don't think pitching is our top priority. When I watched postseason baseball, specifically the Braves, one through eight can hit a home run at any point in the game. When I look at the Phillies lineup, I don't see that. 
I really only see two people that I can count on to hit a home run. Really one and a half. It's Harper and Reese. And Re- yeah, Reese is the half for people who didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> so like when baseball comes back, if it ever comes back, when it comes back, how, how long, I don't know. Hopefully never. <laughs> the first thing they need to bring back with them is a DH, universal DH. NL needs a DH. It's just long overdue. It'll make the sport 10 times better, and many more people will watch. It's more offense. Let's face it. Every sport over the past 10 years has changed rules to increase more offense, and each sport has flourished. Watch the NBA. The stupid hand, the stupid fake foul rules those shooters were doing. Like, three, I think three teams yesterday scored 150 in the NBA. You're like, oh, there's no D. Like, no. I want to watch. I want to watch that. I don't want to watch 89-90 basketball. NFL. Joe Burrow threw for five touchdowns, 525, and he was like, this ain't high school. Like, there's no mercy rule. I'm not like, yes, that's what I want. Baseball, it's like, no. We, we won two one baseball games. Like, uh, yeah, okay, then we're not gonna watch. I don't need to watch Zach Wheeler hit. He's a good hitting pitcher. But if you have to stipulate it by saying he's a good hitting pitcher, he's not a good hitter. There's like three players I want. Nick Cassianos, Chris Bryant, Kyle Swerber. Offense, offense, offense. I want just, if this team loses 100 games next year, we better lose 10-9 or 10-8. I don't want us losing 5-1, 3-1, 4-0, Oh, no, we just ran into a great pitcher. No. Harper shouldn't be your only hitter in the lineup. He needs protection. Reese isn't really doing it. I need Real Muto in the lineup as much as possible, which also is another reason for the DH. If you're going to be like, oh, well, Andrew Knapp's going to catch. I don't care. I really don't care. If you're back, backup catchers suck all over baseball, so I'll deal with Andrew Knapp. But if I can run out with... Say we get two of these three. You put Cassianos in left. Let's get wild. Chris Bryant in center. Harper in right. And then you go boom. This stock kid that I'm falling in love with. It's short. Throw Segura at second. Hoskins at first. And then you have any one of those eight can DH whatever they need an off day you have Romuto behind the plate plus net just give me an offensive lineup that I want to watch every night like when the Phillies were great from 07 to 11 and kind of down the stretch it might have changed a little bit whenever they were up at the plate you wanted to tune in and watch like when Ryan Howard stepped into the plate if you had to go walk the dog you looked at your dog and you're like you're going to wait for Ryan Howard's at bat to be over. <laughs> like now, the Phillies come up the bat. Like, you go find something to do. No, I got to go put a load of laundry in. Uh, okay, let's, let's go for a walk before Zach Wither comes back on the mound. Like, no. It should be the other way around. It should be like, you know what? Zach, I know you're going to throw seven shutout innings. So when you're up, I'll I'll go do something. But when the Phillies come up the bat, I want to watch. I want to go down the ballpark and watch an offensive onslaught. Like, I, I want to watch that. In 08... 11 i wasn't old enough to just go down to the ballpark by myself 
like I feel like I'm being deprived. Because when I was a kid, the Phillies were really, really good. And I just had to watch from home. Now, you know, I'm able to do this, talk about it, and I get a 500 or barely 500 baseball team. With that being said, going into 2022, do you think the arrow's pointing up? And I know you're out on baseball. Yes. So it's a little bit of a jaded answer coming. Very jaded. <laughs> arrow pointing up or pointing down for the Phillies? Man, I I feel like it's exactly where it was. It's it's just totally neutral, man. I mean, thinking about where this organization needs to go and what they need, like you had Bryce Harper at some point in the season go, look, our farm system isn't doing anything. Right. Like he was begging the organization to develop somebody, anybody. And you Besides see all these, his best friend. Right. Like that's it. It's just like the, develop somebody that's going to come up. That's a young player that can play every day. That can actually play defense at a professional level and hit. That would be nice. Uh, professional guys in the bullpen that can consistently help you. Like they have such a problem with all of that all the time. And right now, like all I've got is Stott. Right. That's, that's that's all it. I got to believe in. So if Stott shows up, then that changes things a little bit. They right. they need that win in a major way. But until that happens, uh, I just I got to see it. Like uh, the Scott Kingery thing jades me in a big way. Has to. I mean, they were uh, this kid's a star. He's the next Chase Utley. They give him a record contract. They're playing him everywhere, and he can't play. Uh, and and he's off the team. So when you have a kid like that, and it goes that poorly, I'm just looking at Stott and going like, When's he going to fail? How's he going to fail? You right. know what I mean? Right. And it's not anything Stott has done. It's just what's happened before him. And I, it's funny because we just had the conversation of playing young players. Maybe they played Kingry too much in too many different positions. Like, all right, you're a second baseman. Just stick him at second base and let him play. And then once he gets settled into big league baseball, all right, I need you to play center field twice a day. All right, then you can go play center field. But to just throw him in there, literally 12-foot water with no life reserver, and you're trying to get him to do 700 different things. Plus, change his swing and change his approach, which got him here, which is mind baffling to me. Thanks, Gabe Kapler. But there is a fine balance. But I, I think Stott, I do think Stott is the real deal. And I hope. I, and I'm so excited to watch this kid come up and play. And I hope by hanging with Harper, like the pressure and the limelight and like Harper's like coaching him almost, like, you got this. Like, don't, you're not, I'm not going to send you out there and be eaten by the wolves. Yeah. That, that means something to me, by the way. Like, when, when you've got Harper, who's actively taking an interest in developing the kid, that's a big deal. Right. Because he cares. Like, right. he, uh, that guy, for whatever you could say about him with the coming and going, the hot and cold and whatever, sometimes he's kind of annoying, too. Like, he'll always campaign and whatever. So, sometimes it's like, all right, calm it down. But right. the guy loves baseball, and he wants to win as much as anybody. Right. I, I really respect that about him. Right. And... Dare I say I want the Phillies to win a championship the most? Ooh, okay. Okay, like, why? And I, I think it's because like the Eagles kind of like just won. So like it's still like sitting there that we just won. But like you just said everything about Harper, like and the fact that when you came here, Washington won. Like that eats at me as a person. Like I, I have no ties to either one, but like that bothers me. Like I want the Phillies to win. 
Oh, yeah, more than the Sixers right now, which wow. is wild. Wow. Yeah. I. Oh man. But like, I in October, I want to be in that ballpark in October with what forty six thousand other people waving a white rally. I I see that. I still have that image in my head from my way, and I want to be a part of it. There's like something about it. The city comes alive, like the the way it really rallies around a good Phillies team. I mean, when they when they had that run of Utley and Rollins and Howard and all those guys, and they were selling out every night and did that for years. Right. I mean, like eighty plus games for years, every seat was full at Citizens Bank. Like that's unbelievable, man. And I love that kind of support and the tailgates and just the vibe of the stadium when you walk right. around in April and May and it's just, it's buzzing like, like that, crazy. Like that beautiful 65 degree night in May. I want to go to a packed ballpark and watch a good baseball game. Yeah. I, I don't want to watch who are some of our pitch? Like, I don't, I don't want to watch some of the slop. Like a Jake Thompson or a <laughs> Like, I don't want to watch Vinny Velasquez. Right. Star. Like if I want to do that, I'll, I'll drive to Reading and go watch, you know, our young players and be like, you know, all right, this this is what I'm watching. But yeah. Especially being Philadelphia. Like I deserve better. I'm going to sound sport. I deserve better. <laughs> uh, and the, the cases keep getting better or worse, depending how you look at it. Because now we're going to talk about the Sixers. <laughs> 2021 almost feels like two different years for the Sixers. Started off so incredibly well. One seed, offense looked great, just got Doc, just got Daryl. We're looking like, you know, juggernaut, like... Not worried about Brooklyn. I remember sitting here with Cliff. We were like, "Ah, we're not worried about Brooklyn. Uh, we're not. We're not worried about Milwaukee. <laughs> we get to Utah and beat Owens Gobert. We're fine. Finish as a one seed. All right, good. We're fine. We're good. Everything lined up perfectly. Washington, then Atlanta or New York, and then whoever survives Milwaukee, Brooklyn, playing Washington. And beat escapes with not a major injury. Beat him in five. Beautiful. Hawks beat the Knicks. Sweet. We'll take the Hawks. We don't want the Knicks. We don't want that slow, painful, defensive battle. Boy, looking back, what I wish we had the Knicks. Lose to Atlanta in seven. And it wasn't losing to Atlanta in seven. It's always how we lose. Two 20-point leads blown. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. Oh, wait. What what are you going to bring up? Uh, Ben Simmons passing the ball when he's wide open next to the basket at home as the team is dying? Uh, You're not going to bring that up, Greg? You don't want to bring that up? That, That beautiful, wonderful moment of basketball excellence. Come on. I wasn't going to bring up the fact that Embiid missed the game because he was hurt. But yeah, we can bring up the Ben Simmons thing. Yeah, we better bring up the Ben Simmons thing. You better bring it. It's crazy. That, if you, if you summed up the Sixers in one sentence for 2021, just, just that's the picture. That, that, that's it. Like, I know, I know WIP every year does the year in review. Yeah. For like the Sixers, like the, every sport. Like, that's the only thing they should sell for the Sixers. That's it. Like, 
Literally, that picture sums up the Sixers in every word. Ever since Hinky was fired, that picture sums up the entire Sixers organization. You have everything. A 6'10 superstar that should be able to do everything. You have everything you want in a player. You have everything right in front of you. You have a wide open goal. You're ascending toward the top. And it falls short. That is the Sixers. And if you thought that was the lowest point of the Sixers in 2021, I'm sorry, it wasn't. Weeks later, he now wants out of Philly. Fair enough. It was coming. I'm convinced it was coming. The moment he got drafted, always in the back of my mind, I was waiting for this moment. It's just a shame we had three opportunities to truly win a championship. Had we won that Toronto series and won a championship, if everything had happened after that and we're still at this point, I would be so okay with trading him at this point because you had a championship. Kind of like the Wentz thing. You got us to a Super Bowl pretty much. So the fact that it ended like it did, I'm okay with letting you go. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm not okay with letting you go right now. And it might change depending on who we get back. But as we continue, you know, the Simmons drama builds and builds, doesn't want to be here, doesn't like his teammates. What Doc said upset him. Uh, can't play with Embiid, which is kind of true, but also kind of not true. You go through an entire offseason, make minor moves. And Tyrese Maxey shows up. Sixers start 8-2. and two, And you're like, wow. No Ben. This team's playing pretty well. Daryl said he's got four years to wait. It's actually looking pretty good. Not pro- Probably not winning a championship. But at least we're still progressing. Then COVID hits. <laughs> and the Sixers pretty much lose. At one point... The original roster, I think they lost everybody at some point. No, some came back and someone out. But they didn't play together, essentially, for like six weeks. And then, you know, we started struggling. And we started struggling, so did Portland. Portland fired their GM. Then it's like, wow, maybe this will work out. Then Dame comes out and it's like, yeah, I'm not leaving. And you're just like, why? Why are you sticking around in that track? Like, why? why? Why do you want to stay in Portland, Dame? And make sure that everybody knows, by the way. Yeah. It, it's like every couple of minutes. He's just like, hey, by the way, I'm staying. I just did. Did I, did I mention anybody? I'm staying in Portland. Love Portland. I'm going to stay in Portland. It's like, dude, we get it. You, you want to stay in Portland. Yeah, but like, why? What? Like, that team is not winning anything. When I mean anything, they're not even winning a playoff series. I don't care who they play. Then it comes out, Dame wants to play with Ben. But in Portland, it's like, Dame, like, come on, dude. And at some point, 
I want to meet Rich Paul face to face and just have a conversation. And be like, you have probably the easiest job in the world. You represent LeBron James. Which, first of all, me and you could do and do just as good of a job. My client wants the max contract. All right, deal. Done. What what else did you do, Rich? Nothing. You know what you do? You cause problems in every other city so your clients can request a trade and end all end up on the West Coast. Sorry. Daryl's not playing along with your game. Yet. He might. I hope he doesn't cave, but he might have to cave. On top of all that, Tobias Harris is lost. And I, people keep bringing up, oh, you love Tobias. I loved Tobias when we traded for Tobias. You know why? Because he was the best fifth option scorer in the NBA. When you had Ben, JJ, Jimmy, Joel, and Tobias, if he was your fifth worst offensive player on the floor, that's a really good problem to have. That was always the plan. He was supposed to be the fifth option. And yeah, if you brought JJ, Jimmy, and Tobias back, yeah, you'd be paying him max money to be your fifth option. I get it. But if you could see that team right now and sub Curry in for JJ, Ben, Curry, Jimmy, Tobias, Ben, you're not complaining about Tobias Harris right now. But because there's no Jimmy, because there's no JJ, because there's no Ben, and because Joel, you know, is hit or miss some nights, when Tobias becomes your second option, now it's a problem. And not only is that a problem, I feel like his aggressiveness is nowhere to be found. Remember watching him in Orlando and Detroit and L.A., he would just run pick and rolls and attack the basket. Now he wants to be this post-up Carmelo Anthony type basketball player, which I hate in today's NBA. It's like the DeMar DeRozan, Carmelo Anthony. Like, we're going to back you down, mid-range, do a turnaround fadeaway. Uh, no, please stop. It's the end of the game when you have the ball in your hand, and instead of putting your head down and attacking the basket, you passively drive to the basket, fade away, don't really invite contact, and throw up something soft and complain for a foul. And rightfully so, no NBA ref is giving you that foul. Joel. Kind of hard to say anything bad about Joel when he just dominated Washington the other night. But Rich Hoffman about a month ago put out an amazing article analyzing Joel Embiid's statistical career trajectory. And reading that article, he throws in some really good stats about his turnovers, his passing out of the post, you know, his shooting percentage, his usage, um, where he likes the ball. I really encourage anybody who you know, big basketball fan to go read it. Seeing Joel Embiid develop with your eyes and then having stats 
to back it up and like solidify what you thought you saw is incredible. I went to his first ever NBA game when they played the Thunder. And I was like, wow, this kid's raw, but he's going to be really good. Then you watched him two nights ago against Washington. Carrying the ball up the court, doing a spin move at half court, crossover, and Europe stepping down the lane. It's like, wow, that, that kid developed. But then you look at stats that show you he's developed even more than what you've seen. It's like we have something truly special. And I don't want to waste it. Which is why when I said a couple minutes ago, I kind of want the Phillies to win more than Sixers. It's it's a little wild, but I guess it's that negative part of Philly that's always going to live in us. That I just feel like Embiid's never going to get there. Or we're going to get there and he's going to be hurt. But for some reason, and I don't know if it's because Harper came from somewhere else. But I just kind of like know that if we made the World Series, like Harper's going to shine. And I know Embiid, you know, he loves the bright lights. He plays well in prime time. I've also seen him disappear in the playoffs, like utterly disappear, like go scoreless in Toronto or go one for 12 against Toronto or be sick or go to the Trevor Noah concert the night before and then not show up the next day. That's the story I got for you. Like, I call it the mysterious case of Joel Embiid. Like, you can watch him for stretches and be like, this is the best player in the NBA. And then I went to the Jazz game two weeks ago. He sets a screen on Donovan Mitchell, hits him in the side. He kind of just, like, quit. My ribs hurt. I'm not going to go for rebounds. You know, I'm just going to settle for pull-up jumpers. Like, I've seen you utterly abuse Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert before. Like, there's some times to watch Joel Embiid, and I'm like, I understand you hate the, oh, I don't want a bad just playing the post. But that literally makes your team that much better. Just back somebody down three dribbles. I promise you, here comes the double team. And pass the ball. And you did your job. Because now the defense is in complete chaos and the ball is just moving. But the moment you want to dribble and you want to bail the other team out by just taking a mid-range jumper, don't get me wrong, he's probably our best shooter on the team. It, it leaves a little f- a bit for me to be desired. Once again, going into 2022, knowing what we know, and I, I know a lot of this is going to hinge on Ben. Is the arrow pointing up or is it pointing down? It's pointing up. It's pointing up because you're getting to the point where another year is going to go off of Harris's contract. You're going to be more able to move him. And it's going up not for the second half of this season because I really don't think they're going to trade Ben. Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. But offseason, next season, re-racking the whole team, figuring out Embiid, that next star you get, whoever that is in the offseason, whatever you can do with the cap space you move Harris for, all of that comes together, and now you've got another real shot with Embiid. And and that's what you need. Like, for Embiid, you got to reload, and you got to reload, because like you said with all the playoff stuff, and, and you're spot on with all this, right. the problem with Embiid is he's so singularly great, but also he's so big. 
and he just gets tired. His body gets worn down. He can't carry a team through through the playoffs. No, he can't do it. So you need another guy with him that's that good that can take over. Like on some level, you know, Giannis had Chris Middleton. Right. You know what I mean? Middleton could go off for forty five one night, and you'd be like, "Yep, that's that sounds about right." So Embiid needs that kind of guy. So that's that's where it goes up. Is they're they're going to have the opportunity to go to find that guy? I trust Maury to get that guy. It's just not happening right now. And when you were saying that, something popped in my head, mainly about Doc Rivers. If you want Joel B to be your closer, fine. I, I I understand, and I love it. Your best player should have the ball in his hands at the end of every close game. Like, so like when Joel, you know, misses shots at the end, they're like, "Oh, what?" I want my best player to have the ball in their hands, and I'll live with it. Hundred times out of hundred. Give the best player the ball, and I'll live with the result. What I can't live with is if he's a big, the ball shouldn't be thrown in to him. Like, you have three other players on the court plus the guy throwing it in. That should be able to get the ball and then give it to Embiid. When you throw it into Joel, and I've seen it time and time again, and I said this to Cliff. It's like an image printed in my head. We throw it into Embiid at the top of the three-point line and like the little arc. We throw it to him. The backside player in the corner, their defender, just comes from behind and pokes the ball away. It happens every time. Brett didn't fix it, and now Doc's not fixing it. I don't understand. You just put Joel on the block, use one of the other three to get the ball in, and then give the ball to Joel. And if they're double-teaming Joel in the post, that means someone else is open. Like, sometimes I think basketball is overly complicated. It's a really simple game. It's five on five. If two is guarding one, somebody else is open. Speaking of two guarding one, and somebody else is open, we're on to the Eagles. <laughs> Mainly because Jalen Hurts missed a wide-open Dallas Goddard in the end zone. And I know he had the great elaborate talk about how they're in seven bracket and Xavier McKinney is supposed to come down to, yeah, I get that, Jalen. I get it. And you're going to hear, and you're going to soon find out where I stand on Jalen Hurts. Like, I get it, Jalen. You recited what happened. I get it. I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't need you to recite it. But to be like, oh, I went through my progressions and one of the receivers on the field is not a part of my progression is an issue. He's literally standing wide open in one third of the end zone. One third of the end zone, he's standing wide open. You didn't move your eyes from half the field. With that being said, I want Jalen Hurts to succeed in Philadelphia. There's something about him that and I feel like the whole city feels it. Like you root for this kid. You like him. He's gritty. He's you know, he's not great and he knows he's not great, but he works his tail off. It's like Jimmy Butler. Kind of weird cuz I hated Jimmy Butler too. But before we get into Jalen, a quick 2021 recap of the Eagles here. Cuz it started off in complete chaos. We tanked the last game against Washington. 
And then the Giants started complaining, blah, 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 blah. By the way, the Giants, we've only won four games since you complained. Wentz and Peterson and Roseman were literally the Super Bowl meme pointing at each other, yelling at each other. That was the three of them. They were just in one room yelling at each other. Peterson said, all right, I'm done. He's out. Wentz was like, well, if my coach is gone, I don't really like you, so I'm gone. And I don't think Howie saw that coming. And I have to give Howie Roseman a ton of credit. Because any big ego GM could have been like, I'm paying you money. I don't care if you don't want to be here. You're going to be here. Instead, he was like, well, I made a mistake. And I really honestly believe Howie admitted to himself that he made a mistake. And he's like, I can't make a second mistake because I made one already. And he traded Wentz for a one and a three. Luckily, we got the one. And I truly believe he didn't know what we have in Jalen Hurts. Nobody did. Like, I watched him all at Alabama and Oklahoma, and he's still the same quarterback he is today. Like, so all the people who have told me he's progressed and became this great quarterback, I'm sorry, he hasn't. He just hasn't. It's a fact. He hasn't. I'm not saying he can't, but he hasn't yet. They go hire this guy, Nick Sirianni. Nobody knew about Nick Sirianni. Kind of like the Peterson thing. What are we going to get? His press conferences, people were like, ah, he can't answer questions. Guys, I don't think you understand how hard it is to publicly speak. Like, it's just, and especially in Philadelphia, when you have people like, let's be honest, Howard Eskin and Les Bowen and Jeff McLean that do a great job and ask the questions that need to be asked that are probably uncomfortable to some people. Like, that's not easy. So when people are like, oh, Sirianni's going to be a terrible coach, he can't answer questions. Okay? Uh, Bill Belichick doesn't answer questions. He's a great coach. I know it's a little different. He just decides not to answer questions. Then Howie moves back, you know, from 6 to 13 or whatever, then back up to 10. I thought it was a little premature, but Howie read the room exactly right. We drafted Devonta Smith. All right, you know, Heisman winner. Pretty much the consensus, Howie, that's the right thing to do. Fine. Offseason goes on, quiet, 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 you know, hurts, 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 whatever. Then the Eagles suddenly find a new identity. An identity that I've been screaming for for years. And John called me insane for wanting them to. I, all I wanted was a strong running game in a solid defense. And I told him that's why I wanted Parsons. I want to run the ball down your throat, and I want to smash you in the mouth on defense. That's all I want. And he yelled, and he told me, it's not 2,000 football anymore. It's not going to work. <laughs> and ever since we've done it, we're the best running team in football. We've run six out of our last eight. All you have to do in football is run the ball and control the line of scrimmage. And good things will happen. You're not going to win every game, but good things happen. Look what happened when the Eagles started running the ball. It didn't matter who you threw back there. They were getting 200 yards a game. You know how hard it is to run for 200 yards right now in the NFL? 
And that being said, I love Devonta Smith. I just wanted Michael Parsons. So before we get into where the arrow is pointing for the Eagles, I want to talk about Jalen and only Jalen. Because like I said, I haven't really seen a progression from Alabama and Oklahoma to now. I don't think he's that great of a thrower. I don't think he's that great of reading what the defense presents. I think he's a one read and tuck it and run. That being said, he's probably QB1 next year. Unless, you know, we go get Watson or Wilson or something miraculous happens. But I have a question. Why can't we criticize Jalen Hurts? Like, why? Like, I'm not being critical because I don't like Jalen Hurts. Because I really do like Jalen Hurts. But I feel like every time somebody criticizes Jalen Hurts, they assume that person hates them. Like, I don't hate the guy. Just when I watch how Sirianni has to call a game and how he plays the position, he's not a Super Bowl, excuse me, a Super Bowl winning coach or quarterback. So, like, why can't we criticize Jalen Hurts? Well, part of it is it's being a sports fan on some level, thanks to Twitter and everything, it's like identity politics. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm a Hertz guy. And that's just the brand. And so when you get all these Hertz people, yeah, like you say anything about Hertz, they'll come after you. You know, how, oh, how could you? And he's so great. And like, hey, he's got a lot of good stuff. Right. He does. He's got and, I, and I love watching him. He, like we said, it, it makes watching the Eagles fun. Yeah, it does. It does. But is he great? And that's what you're always looking for. Is he a great player? Great character guy. Yes. No doubt about 100%. it. 100%. And he's clutch and, and all those things. I like all that stuff. But yeah, is he an elite arm talent? How many offenses could you put him in across the NFL and he's an above average quarterback? Not a lot. Right. And that's and it's not a bad thing. Like I feel like people think, oh, oh, he's not a great quarterback. Like you can't like no. Can you win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts? That's the ultimate question. Right now, I honestly don't know. I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm not ready to stamp in and be like, no shot. Because it's going to be hard to go through the playoffs and just think you're going to get there by run, run, run. Because in the playoffs, like, everything's heightened. Like, right now I think we're supposed to play, who are we playing? Are we playing Dallas in the playoffs if we make it? Uh yeah, I think I think like, right now it's if it's Dallas. like if we play like Dallas, we'll go through it. If we play Dallas in the first round, like the Giants two weeks ago put out a template on how to beat Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, stuff the run and make Jalen Hurts' arm beat you. And when I look at Tampa and Dallas and San Francisco. And the Rams, their front fours are really, really good. And their corners are really good. And unfortunately, we still really only have one receiver. So if you stop the run with just your line and take away Devonta, you're making it extremely hard for the Eagles offense to be successful. 
Like when I think of Tampa, I think of Devin White. And I think, all right, this kid runs a 4-3-4 sideline to sideline. You just spy Jalen Hurts the entire time. Don't let him run. We'll play man coverage everywhere else, and we'll expect our defensive line to get pressure, and you just spy the quarterback. When I think about Dallas, defensive line isn't as good as um, Tampa, but their linebackers are athletic. Trayvon Diggs is playing phenomenally. And then you got to worry about that four-headed offense, Daxi, Cooper, and Lamb. And then Tampa's offense, you got to worry about Tom Brady. What's the one way you beat Tom Brady? Ball control. It's going to be really hard to just run the ball 45 times against Tampa and not expect them to make you make a play in the air. Same thing with L.A. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, that incredible defensive line. Pretty good secondary and linebackers. San Francisco. We already saw San Francisco this year. We see what they do. They run the ball. They run misdirection. They run play action. And I'd really hope we play Jimmy Garoppolo. But I have a feeling Shanahan's going to be like, ah, no, I'm done with Jimmy. Here comes Trey Lance. So, like, I think it's more of just, it's more than just Hurts being a quarterback, can we win? It's the offense in which he's in. I don't know if that's a Super Bowl winning offense. And I don't, and the ultimate goal for everybody has to be winning another Super Bowl. So when we evaluate whoever our quarterback is this year or in the future, we have to have that mindset, you know, at the forefront of our mind. Like, can this guy win a Super Bowl? Like, we all watched Carson Wentz, his rookie year. And when he was throwing a Doriel Green Beckham in that slot, we were like, wow, this kid gets an offense around him. It's going to be really good. And the very next year, we won a Super Bowl because they changed the offense to fit him. Now, if the Eagles come back and just run through everybody again next year, and I don't know if Sanders will be the running back, but you know they get like a three-headed monster. If they mon or if they change into the Ravens, I mean I know Hurts is nowhere near Lamar Jackson, but if that's where they're going to go, they have to understand that Baltimore hasn't won anything playing the style yet, and every year in the postseason they get stuck because they don't have a legit passing game. And at this point, it's not Lamar. It's the receivers around Lamar. So, like, we can try that style of football. We're just going against the odds. It's like it's kind of like the Flyers when we started the show. Like, when they were going really, really well, they morphed into what the NHL was. Now, you know, they're kind of back to the Broad Street Bullies, and they're, they lost nine in a row, and they're kind of stagnant. Sixers. They have the crown jewel in Joel Embiid, but it's a guard-dominant league, and your best player, or maybe the best player in the league, is a center. So it's in the Phillies. <laughs> Offensive league, and their offense is, you know, mediocre. It's like the Eagles, if they're going to go all in to the Jalen Hurts is going to be our franchise quarterback. First of all, I'm going to back him. I love Jalen. You just got to go all in, legit all in. And you got to attack this thing full board. Running game, I need two tight end. Like, I, I need you, if you're going to adopt the Ravens, I need you to mimic the Ravens. Mark Andrews and Goddard, 
yeah, Mark Andrews is better. Like, I get it. But you you have an elite tight end. You have a really good offensive line. I think we won up Baltimore with the receiver. We have, you know, I think Smith is better than Holly or Marquise Brown. But I think the Raven the Ravens have running backs galore. I know they're hurt, but they have Dobbins. Uh Gus Edward. Like they have three running backs that they can run the ball 45 times a game and they can just keep throwing out a fresh running back. Oh, by the way, our quarterback can run too. Like I said, if that's what we're going to do, let's attack it. But we can't do the, oh, we want Jalen to throw for 300, but we also want to. That's not Jalen's game. So if we're going to back Jalen, we got to do it 100%. So where do we go from here? What does our 2022 look like for the Eagles? And I guess that's a two-part question. Like the postseason this year. And then, like, offseason and next year. Like, what? where's the arrow pointing for the Eagles? Because I think it's way up. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's super up. I mean, it, to be in this spot, with all the dead cap that they've had, they have 60 million dead cap. Right. It's not, it's not all coming off the books. They're going to have more dead money next year. But still, right. to get a chunk of that off the books, cap's going up. You've got three draft picks to play with. There is the Wilson, Watson, Rogers stuff going on. They can do whatever they want. Like and and Roseman's a guy that is willing to make the aggressive moves as well. Same thing as him and Daryl Morey, right? right? It's like, hey, I'm going to trade a couple of firsts. I'm going to move up and get this guy. Right. Great, no problem with me. Uh, I'm going to trade some of these off, and you know what? We like next year's draft a little bit, so we'll we'll add a first rounder next year. We'll have two firsts this year, two firsts next year. You get a second round pick in return, and and you get like a bunch of young guys and go for a youth movement. So for all the options at their disposal, and with Hertz being good enough that it is, it's totally cool. Like if right. if they come back with her do i want russell wilson instead you better believe it <laughs> I, right. would, I would die for russell wilson but that's okay if jalen hurts comes back so yeah you're in such a good spot it's almost hard to think of how they lose in a scenario like this i mean you just have everything available to you right and i think we'd be foolish if we expect the eagles to make three first round draft picks i think the fair question is which one or which two do they move Miami keeps winning we keep winning and the Colts keep winning it's funny October it was like wow we have three top 10 picks like <laughs> rebuild full bore now into December it's like we have picks 20 23 and 28 like uh, great yep but it's fine because say the Colts pick 28th it's still a valuable first-round pick. Like, there's going to be a bad team that's going to want to jump back in. And you, Like you said, you get another first for next year. So now next year you have two firsts. And it also allows you, hey, I want to get Russell Wilson. Hey, if we had three top 12 picks, I probably wouldn't want to trade two for Russ. But if I'm picking the back end of the first where you're not really guaranteed to hit, like, like a top 12 pick, higher hit percentage than, you know, 20th overall pick. Yeah, if I had to trade 25 and 28 to get Ross, I'll do it. But at this point, if I had to trade pick four and pick seven, I'd be like, eh, maybe I'd go Watson instead. It just gives you more options now. Like, but I'm all in on Hurts. I just want that to be said. I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's going to win you Super Bowl, but I'm all in on the guy. 
and I'm rooting for the guy. And just like we said with the Phillies, I need, and I don't think we're going to get it, but I want playoff football. Three three weeks from now, I want I want to be talking about uh, the wild card game, Philly going to Tampa or Philly going to Dallas, and you know, all hands off the table, like let's just go, you know, push all our chips in. Um, It'd be awesome to ruin someone's season. It really would be. Be great. It really would be. Just yeah, there's nothing better than ruining another team season, right? And especially if it is Tampa, I love ruining things for Tom Brady. It just makes me happy. Right. Uh, so that would be awesome. Beating Dallas would be awesome. There's right. a bit of a beef, like Philly people have a bit of a beef with the Rams because Sean McVay got all this love and Doug Peterson didn't. I mean, I think that kind of bore out for a reason, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but yeah, like, there's been a little bit of a rivalry with the right. Rams with that, the Goff and Wentz stuff. So like, beating the Rams would be fun, even though it's a little different now. So yeah, there's a lot of teams that just like, if this team that's basically offensive linemen, like if that's winning a playoff right. game, now, so I'm, good. I'm afraid to do this because we did it with the Sixers and it backfired in their face. The who do we want to play? Boy, do I want to play the Rams. <laughs> okay. Why? Sean McVay really hasn't proven to show up in big games. And when it comes to playoffs, especially football, the quarterback, what quarterback do I feel best against? Dallas has Dak. Now, I know people don't love Dak. They'll be like, oh, Dax. He's got Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Zeke, and Tony Pollard. Like, it's just too many offensive weapons and things to pay attention against. And I know we play them, you know, next week, and, you know, we'll we'll see what it looks like. But because the first game, they just completely blitzed us and we looked lost. But beginning of the year, new defensive coordinator, I think it'll be different. Tampa, I don't. I really don't want to play Tom Brady. Like, I just feel like you're going against Tom Brady and the refs, Tom Brady and the NFL, Tom Brady and, like, God. Like, <laughs> I don't want to play Tom Brady. Yeah. Arizona, like, Kyler is just – it's another thing. I don't think Hopkins would be back, but, like, they're so multifaceted. Like, Kyler's so hard to play against. Like, I don't want to play against Kyler. 49ers – I don't know that that defense like the Bosa the Fred like I don't want to play San Francisco like Garoppolo Debo like Kittle I I don't want to touch San Francisco I feel like they're like a sleeping giant almost so really it only leaves us with LA but I'm not that afraid of Matt Stafford like you've seen the Rams they've struggled the past like month and a half like I feel like the NFL kind of caught on to what they were doing. Like Goff, it was uh, you kind of got to worry about Goff running. It's like Stafford is not moving. Stafford's a statue in the pocket. You get pressure, he's going down. You get pressure, you're going to force a bad throw. They lost Woods, who was their gadget guy. You know, they don't really have a strong running game because they lost Henderson now. Tight ends aren't that like the Rams are beatable. They have incredible names on defense: Donald, Miller, and Ramsey. Ramsey, all right, fine. You're going to take away Smith. Like, you're just going to. I'm going to need Sirianni to 
you know, scheme him open and get him off Ramsey, like put him in the slot or whatever. Aaron Donald, you know, look, our offensive line, I'm sorry, I'm taking them against anybody. They're just showing you that they're great. And other than that, like, Von Miller's not a great run defender. Like, if you stay in third and short, you know, they can't just pin their ears back and come after you. And plus, Hurts is mobile. So I'm not too concerned about it. I just think the Rams are, like, the perfect. Plus, we're going to L.A., and you know this entire town is going to L.A. with you and making it a home game. So, like, yeah, I want to go to L.A. Like, give me the Rams. Okay. I, I dig that. That's a pretty good argument. I mean, for me, it's it's honestly, I look at Tampa and I go, one, they've played down the competition a good bit. Right. So that's encouraging. Okay. Two, they've got some injuries going right now. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, I think Shaq Barrett just had an injury. So Burnett. Yeah, so it's just there's there's enough things looking around. It's like, well, Tampa's pretty beat up, and if you if you get them and they're just a little bit off, they're just a little bit off, then they almost beat them earlier in the season. Right. And that was before they were any good. I mean, that, <laughs> they were terrible at the time, and they almost beat Tampa. So it's like, yeah, if we can get a rematch, I'd love to see it. Uh, but I would love to be Brady in the first round. It'd be the best thing I ever. would love to be, but it's just like, uh, it's yeah. kind of like if we were an AFC team. Like I, I don't want New England. Yeah, like I would do everything I can to avoid New England. Oh, like, Belichick scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't want anything to do with New England. But Tampa, I, I think it's more of the the shadow than it is the actual creature. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just willing to go for him. All right. So to end, back in April, me and Vince did a show. And we talked about the Phillies, and we did a bunch of Phillies over-unders. So I was like, yeah, well, me and Vince are going to be in here. Let's go back and and see how we did. So I'm going to read these to you, Vince. And I I went back and listened, and I have all of our choices here. The first one was Aaron Nola wins was the over-under we did. Okay. His over-under was 14 and a half. So he clearly went under. He only had nine wins. Me listening back to that episode, me and you were so high on Aaron Nola, we actually both said he was going to win seventeen games. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I listened to this, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, wow, Aaron Nola. Was it Aaron Nola let us down, or was it we were too high on Aaron Nola? Like when I was listening, I was like, "Which one is it?" Like, were we too like oh, Aaron Nola is a stud, or was it? He had a bad year. Like, which one do you think? Like, was it more? I think it was more. He had a bad year. Yeah, I just feel like he never, never found it. Like, he kept trying things and he never quite found it. Yeah, it's more of he had a bad year. Part of it was too. I, you look at the Phillies over the last couple of years and their offense has been phenomenal. Right. And it was like, all right, well, if they can still put up seven, eight runs in a game and do that pretty routinely, it's probably going to win a lot of games. It wasn't right. quite the deal. Right. All right. Number two was Zach Wheeler starts. It was twenty four and a half. He made 32 starts. Uh, You said under. You said he was going to start about 23. So I I really shouldn't say under. You're kind of on the mark. I picked over. But this is only the third time in his career he's made over 30 starts. So I give you a pass because you were looking at history. Yeah. And you were looking at numbers. And and, you made an educated guess. And also, he's a guy that injured himself putting his pants on a couple of years ago. (laughs) 
This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, JT Real Muto home runs. We said 19 and a half was the over-under. He went under. Same thing like we both picked him to go over, by the way. I feel like this is like Nola. He just had it down here. Like, I don't know. I thought he got the contract. He's here for a long time. He's settled in. Full season. I I thought 20 was easy for him. Like him and Harper have no protection. It's literally just him and Harper in the lineup. Yep. So I feel like that contributed to his down home run total. Oh, of course it did. Yeah, it's it's uh, so annoying. <laughs> now, this next one, I don't want to pat myself on the back or give myself any credit. So Bryce Harper's average over under was 270. You picked under and you said he hit 265. He hit 309. And I'm going to be that guy and tell you to go check the tape. (laughs) I said Bryce Harper will win the NL MVP this year. When I went back and listened to this episode, I was stunned that he actually won the MVP. I was like, wow. I was like, wait. Oh, my God. He actually won the MVP. Good for you. I'm gonna so just let you guys know it's my last show. Like I'm retiring. Yeah, I call. No I'm kidding. Apparently, I should too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Harper, 31 and a half homers. He went over. We both said he was gonna go over. Uh, Harper, 98 and a half RBIs. We both said over. He only had 84. I we didn't expect the offense to be this bad though. So fair enough. Um, Hoskins to hit 270. He hit 247. I'll give you credit. You picked the under. Yes. I picked the over. Are you out on Hoskins? Just like in general? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm out. They they should get rid of him for whatever you can. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Alec Bohm, 285. We both said over. You said he was probably going to hit close to 315. He hit 247. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And then you you actually came up with a good one. Didi, you said, I'll put it at 17 and a half home runs. You only hit 13. But it's just like this offense so underperformed. Like going back and reading all these, except for Harper, like everybody underperformed. Romuto underperformed. Hoskins was blah. Bone was non-existent. Didi couldn't hit the beach ball. And then me and you argued for about five minutes because Vegas set our over under 81 and a half. We're like, that's so disrespectful. We're winning 90 games. Unbelievable. We won 82 games. (laughs) It's like, man, Vegas is always right. It's crazy how good they are. Always right. It's crazy. 81 and a half. We're like, over. Now, the Phillies won 82. So, technically, you know, we were right. We picked the over. But they were spot on with that number. And then the last one. Spencer Howard to win six and a half games. Let's just say we were both wrong. Or we were both right. We said under. But we did expect him to have more than zero wins. <laughs> so we're going to chalk that one up as an L. Uh, and we'll revisit it. Whenever baseball starts back up, we'll do another one. But uh, boy, that was um, that was sad. <laughs> as was the Philly season. Yes, as it fit the Philly season. All right. So... Rapid fire to end the show. 
Going to span all four sports, so stay with me here. Rapid fire. Okay. Who is the Eagles starting quarterback next year? Russell Wilson. Okay. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I don't know why. If you asked me a month ago, I would have said Wilson. I, I feel like Hurts is probably buying himself another year if we make the playoffs. First of all, I'd love Watson or Wilson. I'll take either one, but I feel like it's going to be Hurts. All right, question two. What would you grade Nick Sirianni to as of right now? As of today's date, what, would, what grade would you give him? C. Really? Yep. Why C? He stunk to start this year. He was god-awful. Like, there's a there's a level of coaching that you expect, even for a new guy. Okay. There's a certain level of being able to run a competent offense and have some level of what you want to do, he had no idea. He had no clue. He didn't figure anything out until Detroit. And once they got to Detroit, they've been better, but running the ball with the best offensive line in football is not necessarily building an identity, and they still don't have their pass offense fully figured out. It's getting there, but even for the pieces you have, passing offense could be better. So, But, but I think he's handicapped due to his quarterback. He might be. But you got to find ways to make it work. Like, they still can't execute pick plays. They can't do it. Like, what the hell is that? I also feel like the refs just don't really understand. And I know the last one, you know, Devontae literally just ran into the guy and like yeah. gave him a bear hug. But I think when we played the Chiefs, like, we ran a pick play and it was like, okay, fine. And the next drive, the Chiefs ran and did the exact same thing. Like, no, that's fine. It's like, well, like, what's the rule? Like, pick plays are hard, but you're right. Yeah. You also don't, like, Arthago Whiteside should be able to do that. It's the only thing he's good at is blocking, but. Yeah, so yeah, I want to see that kind of stuff. I just want to see slants, which they kind of sort of started running a couple of weeks ago. and They haven't really done that as much, but, you know, slants are nice. They're easy. Completions in the middle of the field, yards after the catch, all that kind of stuff. You need an accurate quarterback for that. Well, you got to try. I'd Like, if he can't throw that, then he's not an NFL quarterback. He's not a starter. If he can't throw a slant, he's not a starter. I'm going to get ripped for this question. Okay. <laughs> but you might get ripped for this answer. <laughs> Tua or Jalen? Right now, Tua. Yes. Tua's throwing the ball, man. Like, now that he's confident, he had no confidence last year. Now that he's actually confident, he he's way better. He all over the field last there yesterday. Yeah. No, he's, he's hitting his throws. He looks good. All right, good. All right, can this team win a playoff game? Absolutely. 100% they can win. Do I expect them to? No. But can they get there? And could they, on a given day, beat the Rams or the Bucks or Dallas? Yeah, totally. All right. Um, what is one thing you were wrong about this year? Any sport? Oh, man. Uh, I thought they were going to get rid of Simmons before the start of the season. I thought that was going to happen. Obviously, that hasn't happened, and it's a disaster. Uh, so that's a big one I was wrong about. Trying to think about what else I really missed on. Um, I mean, yeah, just I, I guess it's more of the confidence in the Phillies to actually go for it. You know, I, I right. thought at some point, like, you tried it, you were kind of dancing around things, and then you'd go and get aggressive. And for them to start the free agency gate this year and not be aggressive and not be willing to go for it, when Bryce just won an MVP and you missed the playoffs, it was like, oh, they're never going to go for it, go for it like that. 
So that that really sucks. It's also why baseball should never come back. <laughs> All right, so I was wrong about the Sixers. I thought last year was everything was set up for them to win. New coach, Embiid playing MVP level. You played Washington, Atlanta. You were going to get Milwaukee and then Phoenix, who I'm really not afraid of. I thought everything, it was lined up for the Sixers to go win the title. And Ben let everybody down. I was also wrong with the Flyers because I was ready to... I don't want to say their dynasty, but I was ready to stamp the Flyers as the next best thing in Philadelphia. And they let me down big time. I think I already know the answer to this next one, but does Ben Simmons ever play a game again for the Sixers? No. Okay. No, he won't even play them in NBA 2K for the rest of his life. He won't. He's he's never going to pick the Sixers. Does Doc Rivers come back next season? Yeah. Should he is a different question. Should he? Uh, But is he going to? Yeah, this season's in the tank. There's nothing you can do. They're not going to fire him when he is one year where Simmons quits and then uh, everything goes to hell. I just, you can't fire him right now. I was talking last night. If we hire Maury before Rivers, is Rivers still here? Because I said no. Ooh. I don't think, I don't think they see eye to eye. Maury is a three-point shooting pace guy. And you can do that easily with an incredibly talented big man. Literally just put four shooters around him. And you saw what Embiid did last year. He was almost the MVP. And I think if there's no Doc, Ben's traded way before last season. And I think he brings in a coach that fits his style of play. He's like the coach and GM are usually in lockstep. Doc wants to play an older style of basketball. Rivers wants to play, you know, warrior basketball. And that's the unfortunate thing when you get a guy that's a former player, right? Like, they kind of romanticize that style of play. They really like that. They lived in that. Yeah. And to see the game change and coach something that's fundamentally different, it's harder to pull the trigger on that, to make that switch. Like, when do you do that? How do you do that as a coach? It's a harder thing. When you're on the outside and looking in, your whole job is the meta. So it's easier to go, oh, yeah, it's a three-point league now. we got to go all threes. And that's what Maury does. Which is why Steve Kerr was the perfect coach for that team. Three-point yeah. shooter, and he's like, guys, just shoot threes all you want. Like, just go shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you have two of the greatest shooters ever. All right, a couple more. Um, I think we can both agree to this as a no, but did Daryl do the right thing with the Ben Simmons saga? For now, he has. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I mean, I thought he was going to trade him before the season and and get something good, you know, but it it didn't quite work out. But at this point, yeah, you got to hold it and and see what that next big window is, whether it's trade deadline, offseason, he's got to wait. I agree. I actually think he did the same thing or did the right thing. I don't want just anything in return. I want something of value. Uh, Who wins the next championship in Philly? Ooh, Eagles. Ooh. Yep. 
They're going to win it. Uh, honestly, I can see them winning it as soon as next year. I'm assuming that's with Russ. Yeah. Okay. You you go get Russ. You got the offensive line in place. If you hang on to any of your draft picks that you got, you can put one of those into a receiver at the top. Smith, another receiver. Dallas Goddard, Russell Wilson, that offensive line. You have enough on the defense, and you cook. Uh, or you sign a guy. Devontae Adams is going to be available. Godwin's going to be available. Allen Robinson's going to be available. There's talent all over the place. Hell, Von Miller's going to be available. I don't understand the people who are like, R- Russell Wilson doesn't make this team a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I'm like, yes, he does. <laughs> like, he's a top, what? Be nice. Top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Like, probably even top five. Like, yeah. he's making you a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, there's like, no we doubt. have Russ this year. I, I think we're the third best team in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, I'll be nice. I'll give Tampa one, and I'll just be nice and put his third. Like, I mean, record-wise, they'd be right there competing for the one seed. Yeah. Like, Seattle is horrible. They have no line, no running game, no defense. No. They have nothing. And Pete Carroll is lost. Like, they have nothing. Russ is living constantly in third and eight. Yeah. Like, when you're in third and eight, and it's like, oh, by the way, you have to complete a throw 25 yards down the field every single time right. with people in your face. Yeah. It's not easy. Plus, he came back too early from the finger thing. Like, people are, are going nuts about his stats. He's got no help. Right. And then like, if DK and Lockett, well, that's great. But if you can't throw because you have no line, it, you would have three Hall of Fame receivers. Not gonna make it. Yeah, and they're all vertical guys. Right. Metcalf is a vertical guy. Lockett is a vertical guy. Like, you're not hitting, the like, Michael Thomas, quick slant, quick slant, by the way, also available. This year, so uh, I mean, little risky, little risky. He, he but quit. he quit before that season started. He said, "I'm not playing for Jameis Winston." Oh yeah, did you? And, and that was the funny thing. It was uh, like my, my ankle now. Now it's my, uh, get out. Yep, it's like quit. Bye. Oh, he, he totally quit. But I wouldn't play for Sean Payton either. So I don't blame him. Well, there you go. Uh, would Kevin you play James. for Kevin James as Sean Payton? <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. That's one movie I promise you I will not watch. Uh, I might hate watch that. It'll, it'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, like it, for Russ to not have that kind of guy, middle of the field, underneath stuff, no running game, no help. Right. Like, yeah, it's that guy is such a superstar. It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, last two. Who are the top five athletes in Philly? Top five. Uh, one's in bead. Is, is this just like... F- is it, no, right now. No particular order. Just like right now. Okay, uh, top five guys. Yeah, it's Embiid, it's Bryce. I would say Kelsey has to be on that list. Um, trying to think of who the next couple of guys. I would say Wheeler. Wheeler deserves a spot on that list right now. And then uh, mm, Lane Johnson. It's Lane Johnson or Jordan Mailata. It's one of the two. So two Eagles linemen are on that list, which is awesome, by the way. The quarterback doesn't make it? No. Lane Johnson's, at some of the advanced metrics, he's the best right tackle in football. He's the best tackle in football. Right, I agree. Kelsey, best center in the league. Sprinting stride for stride. Yeah, I mean, dude, like those guys for the full, because for for Hertz, it's the it factor as well, right? But like Kelsey's it factor, Lane Johnson is it factor. Those guys have it. So when you got the personality, charisma, talent, and years of backing that up, th- those guys are ahead on the list. All right. I'd go Embiid, Hurts, Lane, Bryce. Is that five? Embiid, Hurts, Lane, Bryce. One more. One more. Uh, 
Oh, you sold me, Kelsey. Yeah! Welcome aboard, Greg. Welcome aboard. All right. And to close it out and to end 2021. Most underappreciated Philly figure or athlete currently? Ooh. So it can be a coach. That's why I said figure. Athlete or coach. Most underappreciated. Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave is really good. That guy's he should have made the Pro Bowl this year. He should have. And for a, a city that generally loves line play in general and defensive line play, uh, for him to not be talked about as much is kind of surprising. But like that guy's really damn good. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I really can't believe I'm going to say this. Nick Sirianni <laughs> is most underappreciated. Okay. Why? To be a wide receivers coach your whole life, offensive coordinator, be in the NFL that is today, and to put your ego aside and run the ball and scheme up the run as you've done, I I have to pay attention to that. I thought he was going to be, like you said, the first half of the year, I thought it was just going to be throw, 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 throw. Uh, we'll run here and there. I really think he looked in the mirror and was like, uh, maybe Jalen can't do what I want him to do, so I have to do what Jalen can do best. And it's worked. And I really think he's the most underappreciated figure right now in Philadelphia. It's funny. I think he's overrated now. He's overrated? Wait, it, people are overrating Nick Sirianni. I've seen coach of the year discussions for Nick Sirianni. People are on drugs. He might win thinking about rookie that. head coach of the year. Yeah, exactly. Like you could do that, but coach of the year is preposterous. Does not deserve coach of the year. No. So I've seen that float around a little bit. And it's like, all right, this is no. you're just drunk. Go home. I think Matt Lafleur probably has that locked up. Belichick. What the Patriots have done has been pretty good. True. You know, so well, maybe. they got they got to get in now. I know they. I don't think they can win the division. Uh, well, right Buffalo now it's what it's uh, them and Buffalo going at it. Yeah, I thought Buffalo. They split the season, right? So I would. I wonder where that goes. It might be division record with two weeks left to play. Yeah, Sirianni, most underappreciated. All right. Well, yeah, I think he stinks. So you're right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he stinks. He's not coach of the year. Well, he did. He did stink, and now he's finally where I thought he should have been to start the year. So I, I, I think people were like starting the game three straight passes. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, they were all drops. Like, are you ripping the coach for the players dropping the ball? Like, would I like to see them run the ball? Sure, but you can't run ninety five percent of the time in an NFL game. It just becomes too easy to coach against Nick Sirianni most underappreciated well not only has another show come to an end but so it's 2021 almost three days in Philadelphia where where do we go from here we don't know where does 2022 hold I don't know. At the end of 2020, I thought, let's be honest, I thought COVID was on the way out. We were going to be back to normal. The Sixers were going to win. 
And, you know, Philly was yummy on the up and up. We always talked about the Roaring Twenties, and I kind of just chalked 2021 up as an L and said, we got nine more years. I guess by default, we have to chalk 2021 up as an L as well. You know, no championships, not really any postseason success. That also doesn't mean 2022 will bring the same. You know, we have stars in three of our four sports teams. We seem to have four smart GMs that understand the common goal. And like always, our fan base knows what we want and we demand the best. So Miles Sanders, please stop telling us when and when not to boo. We don't boo you specifically. We're booing the outcome of which you're giving us. Drop passes. Laziness. Lack of preparation. And the fact that we had to shift our life around because the NFL decided to cater to Washington. So should we have booed you? No. We probably should have booed Goodell. But you were just easier to boo. I really don't know what 2022 is going to be holding. But it starts on Saturday. And I see it as a clean slate. I know winter season will still be going on. Eagles will, you know, be in the midst of a playoff run, hopefully getting ready for a playoff game. And barring any unforeseen things, baseball is still going to be non-existent. And according to Vince, they should stay non-existent. Yep. But as we start 2022, let's make sure first, make sure everybody's safe with COVID. Be safe. Think about others. Don't be selfish. Love each other. Because as we see with this virus and anything, like you're here one day, gone tomorrow. But let's also appreciate Philly sports the same way. Right now we have Embiid, Simmons, Harris, Maury, Rivers, Maxi. We have Harper, Real Muto, Wheeler, Nola, Hertz, Kelsey, Johnson, Smith, Slay. The Flyers have, you know, some youth too. <laughs> Art, Konechny, Faraby, Proveroff. But it always seems like that can be gone tomorrow. You wake up and a trade was made. You wake up and somebody got hurt and their season's over. On the way in, people were ripping the Sixers and saying they're no longer fun to watch because Embiid doesn't take basketball seriously. So if there's one thing I can, I would love for us to leave in 2021 is outdated, lazy sports takes. So can we please just leave them in 2021? I just watched Joel Embiid single-handedly carry a team for the first three months of the season. And to say he's lazy and doesn't care about basketball is grossly inaccurate. And I know what Les Bowen said a couple weeks ago was all over Twitter. Announcers are acting like Joel Embiid is like so great. He is. Newsflash less. He is. Let's be able to criticize our own, but still back them, i.e. Jalen Hurts. He may not be great right now. He may not be great in the future. 
that doesn't mean we can just be honest with ourselves right now. Another episode of the Philly Eye Podcast. Everybody, have a great and happy new year. We'll see you in 2022.